Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Luke chapter 9, are you there? If you're there, can you shout amen? Amen. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens as well. Beginning in verse 10, it says this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then they took them with him, and they withdrew with them by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve, they came to him, to Jesus, and they said, Hey, why, why don't you send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and to the countryside to find some food and lodging because we're in a remote place here? Jesus replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, Well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go buy food for all this crowd. And there was about 5,000 men. And I said, But he said to the disciples, Well, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Then, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke it. And then he said, He gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and they were satisfied. And then the disciples, it says, they picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I love this story. It's a very, you know, story that we've heard all the time. A lot of us, if you grew up in church or you've been around church for a little bit, we've heard the story of when God multiplied uh, the bread and the fish and he fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. And out of this passage, I want to share with you a message today. It is our third core value. And I want you to write this down. Today, our, our third core value is generosity. Generosity. It is the catalyst. Thank you, Louis. One person. Generosity. It is the catalyst to our vision. Amen? Uh, if this is your first or second time here, welcome to church. We're glad that you're in the house with us. And uh, this is a place where the doors are always open. Everybody's welcome. And uh, I pray that you keep coming. But today's message, today's topic is it's a little bit more for the people that call Calvary home. That you're already planted and flourishing here at this house. Uh, for the rest of you, if this is your first or second time, keep coming back. Come back next week. It's going to be awesome, I promise. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about a third core value. We've been through a value series where we talk about what is important to us as a church. We're in our third week, and we got five core values. This is our third one. It's an important one. We believe that this church has always been a generous church. Anytime we have a toy drive, anytime we go out and feed the homeless, anytime we do something in the city, everybody shows up in such an awesome way. And so I, I want to talk about it because if you're new here and you say, what is Calvary about? We're about Jesus. We're about people. We're about generosity. Can I get an amen? So today's message, I hope that it can help some people. I hope that you can lean in and see what generosity really is all about. Amen? Come on, can we close our eyes, bow our head, and let's ask God to bless this time before we begin. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time, for this place, for this space. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for this morning, God, as we've just gathered to honor you, to worship you, to lift you up. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you that you are so good toward us, God. God, we pray for the people of Peru that you would help them right now, God. We pray for our friends, Pastor Robert, God, and Karen over there, God. And uh, God, we pray that you would help them right now, God, as they're helping so many people in Peru, God, that we would be come next to them and help them as well, God. We thank you, God, that uh, we are a generous church. And God, thank you for blessing us with so many generous people as we're able to help those in need, God. We thank you for this day, God. Thank you for the beautiful day 
that it is in Miami, Florida, God, the best city in the world. We believe it, that we live in the best city on the planet, God. There is no city like Miami, God. And we pray that you would bless it, God. In the same way that you're blessing us with good weather, continue to bless the Miami Heat to make it to uh, the playoffs. And ultimately, we believe the finals. In Jesus' name, heal the on-waiters. Amen and amen. Come on, can God's people say amen? Come on, this is 11 a.m. Can you give God a big shout of praise? Come on, big, big shout of praise. We're in the playoffs, y'all. Come on, we went from last place, playoffs, and believe it, we're going to make it to the finals. Any Heat fans won. Awesome. Hey, anybody in here love McDonald's fries? Anybody in here love McDonald's fries? We're going to talk about McDonald's fries in church, I know. Anybody in here, you love McDonald's fries? Come on, let me see. Any fans of McDonald's fries? Okay. I think McDonald's fries are the best fries on the planet. I really believe that. I really believe that. So, I mean, I heard a story about a father who took his son to McDonald's recently, and I just think those fries are the best. And Diana's more of a Burger King fries fan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know this is a godly church with McDonald's fries. I love it. I love it. There's nothing like McDonald's fries. I heard a story about a dad who took his son to McDonald's recently. And, and they went to McDonald's. They were going to have a, a, a family dinner. And so they got a nice, healthy dinner, McDonald's. And uh, went to McDonald's, picked up family dinner. And on the way home, I mean, there's nothing like that, the smell of fries, you know? The smell of McDonald's fries on the way home. Is that, some of you are already thinking about it. You can't wait to go to McDonald's after service. And uh, they're on the way home. The son is excited. The dad's excited. They're on the way home, and they got McDonald's. And, and the dad reaches into the bag, and he begins to eat some fries. How many know that you have to eat some fries before you get home? I mean, it's just a common rule. You have to. You can't, you can't, you can't, this can't resist that temptation. You got to do it. So the dad reaches into the bag and begins to eat some fries. Now, now the son, the son is upset because the dad is eating his fries. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing more upsetting than somebody eating your fries. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And sometimes we, me and Diana go, and it's like, baby, I'm not, I don't want nothing. I'm not hungry. Okay, if you're not hungry, then don't touch my fries. <laughs> People clapping. <laughs> I order two fries just in case, okay? That's how we build healthy, strong marriages at Calvary. But so the son, the son sees that the dad is reaching in for the fries, so he's like, dad, dad, don't, don't touch my fries. Stop eating my fries. Now, now, I'm not a father yet, but I can imagine what goes through his mind. It's like kind of like, I brought you into this world. I can take you out real quick. You know what I'm saying? How many of you heard that before? My dad told me that all the time. Traumatized me in my childhood. But yeah, The story says that, that the dad says to the son, son, are you serious? I'm going to teach you three quick things. Number one, I want you to know I'm the ultimate fry giver. Okay, I'm the ultimate fry giver. Number two, I can, I can give you more fries or I can take away all your fries. And number three, I'm trying to teach you generosity, how to share and how to be unselfish. Wow, what a story. A dad with a son with McDonald's fries. Now, you know, church, as I started thinking about this story and I heard it, I said, wow, that's so crazy. How many times are we the same way with God? I mean, we hold on to what is ours, and, and we don't want to let it go. We say, no, I'm holding on to my things, and I'm not giving it up. It's hard to trust God with the things that we love the most. 
It is so difficult to trust God with the things that we cherish and that we love and we want to hold on to as much as possible. We don't want to let it go. We say, I'm holding on to this and I am not going to trust God with this part of my life. At times, we just trust God with a part of our lives. We say, God, I'll trust you with part of my life, but I'm not going to trust you with everything. I mean, if I trust you with everything, that, that's just a little bit difficult. Especially when it comes to trusting God with more time or with our finances, it is a difficult thing to trust God with that. We say, God, I'll give you my life, I'll give you my marriage, I'll give you my kids, but, but my time, more time, mm, my, my money, I don't know about that. You know, you know what I've come to find out, church, is that it's easier to give God our soul sometimes than to give God our wallet. Yeah, a lot of us is like, oh, some of us right now, you just heard that, you're like, okay, I'm going to believe in this church, okay, they're already talking about money. I know, I know it's an uncomfortable thing. But Jesus talks about it all throughout Scripture. God deals with money all throughout Scripture. And if we want to be good believers that want to follow God, God wants us to be, have ordered lives, we have to talk about money. Jesus talks about it because we know that humanity inclines to love money with all their heart. Look what Jesus says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and can't serve God and money. Come on, we serve. I mean, we live in humanity where humanity loves money. I mean, it's attracted to money. It is my money. I got my money on my mind. I'm on my, on my money. It is my, my, my. I'm not letting it go. This is my money. And God says, be careful. First Timothy, he says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Right. It's not that money is evil. He says, the love of money right. is evil. Right. How do we break the love of money over our lives? How, how can I get over this part of my life? It's generosity. You don't want to be greedy? We got to be generous. Hey, generosity breaks the hold of us that materialism and the love of money creates in us. For example, if you say, hey, I don't want to be a selfish person, what can I do? Well, then begin to serve other people. I don't want to be a greedy person. What can I do? Well, let's begin to be generous and to bless other people. That's the only way that we break the power of selfishness in our lives. And this is something that we value. We've been talking about value for the last three weeks. We said the first week that Jesus, he is the center of our life. This is our first core value. Everybody has values. We said values are important because they determine your life, your behavior, where you're going to go. And so everybody has values. As a church, we have values. We have core values that we believe in. Week one was Jesus. Jesus, he is the center of our life. Last week, we talked about our second core value. My wife preached. I love her. She's in Colombia right now. Pray for her. They're over there at a church preaching with the Moor and Avila. It's an amazing thing, but I miss her so much. My house is lonely. Pray for me. But... <laughs> She preached amazing last week. It was people are the cause of our church. We love Jesus and we love people. Why do we do what we do? How come there's a bunch of leaders out there, over 80 leaders, standing out there all day long to help people out? Because we love people. Because people are the cause of our church. How come we have door holders? How come we have people in lights? How come we have people in media? How come we have volunteers that are singing and playing instruments? Because people are the cause of our church. We're going to do everything we can to reach people for Jesus. We're going to go over and above. We have a generous church. Number three, our third core value is generosity. If you don't like this one, come back next week. We got a fourth one. <laughs> I know, generosity can be like, uh, there they go. Talk about money again. If you walk away today only thinking about money, then you misunderstood what we're talking about generosity. Generosity has much more to do than just money. What is generosity? Generosity is going over and above what is required in all areas of our life. We want to be generous people. We want to go over and above what is required. A part of that is our time. A part of that is our money. This is what we value. And so I want you to know today, church, write this down, that generosity is not about wealth. It's about willingness. It's not about wealth. 
Today, we're not just talking about money. It's about willingness. Generosity is not a requirement. Generosity is a response to God's generosity. Oh, come on. How many know that God has been good to us? Come on. Anybody here, can you, can you say, I'm a witness that God has been good to me? Alex, what do you mean a response? Well, if you look at the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, I mean, we all know this. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, God, he's a generous God. He looked down upon humanity. He said that while we were still in sin, while we were sinners, he gave his one and only son for you and me. Come on. Is there anybody in here that say, man, I was lost in my sin. I was dead and gone. Nobody, everybody counted me out. Nobody believed in me. But there's a God in heaven that looked down and said, I love you so much. I'm going to give over and above what is required. I'm going to give my son. We serve a generous God. When we look at God and we see his generosity, our response has to be generosity. Oh, come on. I don't mind being here all day. When I see everything that God has done for me, I'll be in here. Service, two service, three service. I'll serve one, sit one. I'll do whatever I can. The other day I learned that one of our singers comes from Port St. Lucie every Sunday. Two and a half hours. Why? Because when you see what God has done in your life, I got to respond going over and above. God is good. God is faithful. God is awesome. I mean, when you just see everything that God has done, we respond with generosity. Say, I'll do whatever. When God, everything that God has done for me, oh, there's, there's nothing then that I won't do back for God. And when we look at the city, we say, man, the city of Miami is in need. It's going to take a bunch of generous people to see what God wants to do here. It's not going to be a bunch of people that just sit back and say, I'm not going to play a part of that. I love it because our church is always saying, I'm front and center. I'll do whatever I can. We have some volunteers that we have to tell them literally, hey, go home. You've been here all day. Go home. To your, I mean, just go get some rest. Go with your family. Go. go enjoy. Hey, my family's good. They're here with me. We're all here. We're going to be here all day. No, go home. It's a generous church. And I love it. Every single time I even think about it, it just touches my heart because there's people that are generous because God has been generous to them. And they say, how can I thank God for everything that he's done in my life? I love the story of Luke chapter 9, what we just read. Luke chapter 9, I mean, we see all generosity all throughout this story. It says that Jesus was hanging out with his disciples, and, and it says that he, he gathered them. He said, hey, let's go take some time off. Let's go hang out for a little bit, and they're actually going to go have their first connect group. You know, they're hanging out in a connect group. And uh, it says that they're hanging out. They're talking, but the crowds knew where they were, so the crowds fought. The crowds always followed Jesus. It's amazing. They love Jesus. They're following Jesus, and so Jesus does what, it, what would Jesus only know how to do. He begins to preach. He begins to preach and preach and preach, which, by the way, shows how generous Jesus was. He wanted some time off for himself, but he said, you know what? I, I got to preach. I got to help people out. And so he began to heal people and to preach. Just think about the generosity of Jesus. I mean, there he goes. He's supposed to have some time off, and he says, wait a minute, people are in need. Let's never put personal comfort over people's needs. As a church, this is something that we're always going to value. If there's somebody in need, then our personal comfort is never going to come over what people need. I'll go out of my way. We'll do whatever we can to help people that are in need. And so Jesus begins to preach, and it looks like Jesus was a long-winded preacher because it says late in the afternoon, he was still preaching. He's a good preacher. There's nothing. I mean, we preach the word. He was the word. And uh, he's there. He's I'm preaching about myself. Sit down. Listen. And uh, Jesus is preaching. And uh, it looks like, uh, you know, when a preacher always goes long, you begin to get hungry. I don't know. I just believe it is the devil. I don't know why, but that always happens. Some of you are sitting in here already thinking about chilies and Applebee's, but I know it's the devil. And uh, it's like, okay, when is he going to finish? I'm hungry. And it looks like the disciples got hungry. And it looks like some of the people were hungry. 
And so I could just imagine the disciples getting together and say, hey, how do we stop Jesus? I mean, he just, he won't stop preaching. He just keeps on talking and talking and talking. I'm hungry. They're hungry. I think it was Peter. Peter always, you know, he always had to do stuff like this. They said, okay, you go tell them that we need to take a break, send people home because everybody's hungry. People are Googling where the nearest Chipotle is. People are going all over the place. Like, we just need to do something. And they're asking for us to guac, and guac is not free. So anyways, they go up to Jesus. And it says, hey, Jesus, um, I think you should send everybody home because, I mean, we're, we're in a remote place. People are hungry, and we have no food to give them. We have no food to give them. It's a story we just read. I love Jesus' response. Jesus was the best. Jesus looked at him and said, you feed them. Okay, great plan, Jesus. I love it. That's great. <laughs> you know what I've noticed? So many times we'd rather look somewhere else when God wants to do something than to look at ourselves. Every single time God wants to do something, we say, oh, God, Miami is in need. Come on, God, send somebody. God, why don't you send an evangelist? Why don't you send some more people into the city of Miami? And God is looking at you like, why don't you do something about it? You're in the city. You live there. God can use you. God, look at my wife. She's hearted. Why don't you do something with my wife? And God is looking at you like, why don't you become a better husband? God, do something with my kids. We need a better youth pastor. I don't know about Phil. Mm, why don't you become a better parent? <laughs> He's the best youth pastor on the planet, by the way. Always, we try to look somewhere else. Let's stop looking in the distance when God is looking in our direction. God is always looking in our direction. He's saying, I want to use you. And he looks at them and he says, why don't you do it? You feed them. Okay, great plan. They go back. They're like, what do you have? He's saying, look at us. He's like, I only got a Lunchable. I got five pieces of bread and two fish. What can you do with that? And so they come back to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, this is all we got. It's impossible to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children. Scholars say there was possibly close to 15,000 people. Uh, this is all we have, Jesus. Sorry. There, there's nothing we can do about this. This is all we have. I mean, five loaves, two fish. I mean, no, with God, it is always more than enough. We're talking about generosity. We've got to learn some things about generosity, and I want you to write this down. Number one, always focus on what we do have instead of what we don't have. Focus on what we do have instead of what we don't have. Generosity is something we value as a church, and what we're going to focus on is what we do have instead of what we don't have. We are amazing at underestimating what we do have, always. We're amazing at underestimating. God, but look at the little bit that I have. God is saying, I want to use you. I want to do something powerful in the city. Oh, God, but this is all I have. I only have a little bit. How many know God can do a whole lot with a little bit? I only have a little bit, God, with my life. God, I don't know if I can open up a connect group. I only have a small apartment. Oh, if you trust God, he can, he'll, he'll, he'll start a church in a small apartment. Oh, God, I, only, I don't know what to do. I only have, I mean, it's just me and my wife, a small little marriage. I don't know what to do. God will turn a small little marriage and bless it and go global with it and bless some people around the world. God, all I have is a small little voice. There's nothing I can do with my voice. God says, if you give me that gift, I will multiply it and use it to bless people around the world with that voice that I've given you. God, all I have is this small little gift. All I have is this small little talent. Stop looking at your little bit because what you have matters to God. All I have, God, is this life. My past is broken. I mean, I've been abused. I've been cheated on. I've been lied to. I mean, what can you do with my life? It is broken. It's a little broken life. God says, if you trust me with your past, watch how I can use it to bless somebody's future. Come on, we trust God with our little bit. God will multiply and do something powerful with it. Generosity is not looking at what we don't have. Generosity is looking at what we do have. So it might be a little bit, but God, you can always do much with a little bit. We serve a God that is not looking for amounts. Generosity is not about amounts. Generosity is an attitude of the heart. It says, this is what I have, God. Today, I wonder what you have. Maybe God has been wanting to use you for a long time. 
I mean, all we have is this small little auditorium, God, that really is supposed to fit only 350 people. And every Sunday, somehow, some way, we fit 1,500 people because God can do a whole lot with a whole little bit. Okay, yeah, I mean, you don't believe it, but I'm believing for 3,000 people in this small little auditorium because God can do a whole lot with a whole little bit. God, all I have is this small little thing. What we got is a bunch of leaders out there saying, I don't have a whole lot, but the little bit that I do have, I'm going to trust God with it. And we're opening up connect groups in Starbucks, in Pasión del Cielo, in every condo, in every apartment, in every house of the city we can. Because with our little bit, God can turn it into a whole lot. It's the God that we have. is the God that we serve. I'm going to give God my little bit and watch what he does with it. And I love Jesus. Disciples come up to him and they say, this is all we have. All we have is, is five loaves of bread and two little fish. I love Jesus. Jesus said, okay, okay, hold on. I want you to do something. I want you to sit people in groups of 50. We read it. He said, I want you to sit groups in, in, in groups of 50. I love Jesus. You know what he did here? This was the original connect groups all over, connect groups all over. You read it. It's groups of 50. It's what we're doing today. By the way, this teaching, I love that it landed on this day. It was not done on purpose, but I love that connect groups landed on a day like this. Maybe you're new here and you're saying, Adams was connect groups. That sounds like a cult. I don't know what this is. No, listen. All connect groups are is a small group of our church all over our city. We have 80 small groups all over our city. And I love that Jesus did this because what Jesus did is Jesus grabbed groups of 50 and he sat them down because it brought order to everything that was going on. He said, if you sit people in groups of 50, now we can know if everybody's eating, if everybody's getting nourished, and if everybody's getting fed. Wow. It's awesome. You know what I've noticed is that on Sundays, the word goes out, but through connect groups, the word goes in. It's through connect groups that we can know if people are getting nourished, if people are getting fed, if people make sure that if somebody needs help, hey, we're going to get some bread and fish into their hands, we're going to help them out. It's through connect groups. Hey, we believe it is a blessing to every life. Why, why do we have a tent out there? Why are there leaders standing out there all day long? Because we believe it's a blessing to everybody's life. Your life will benefit from it. What happens here on Sunday, it is a monologue, but through Connect Group, it becomes a dialogue. And we all talk about it. We chew on the food. We nourish the food. We process the food. What did you think about Sunday? How's your life going? How, do you, how can we all be just? And we start talking about what happened on Sundays. It's what Jesus did. Hey, this is all we have. Sit people in groups of 50. We're to make sure everybody gets fed. So we want everybody in a Connect Group. He says, sit them all down. Then he says, put it in my hands. I want you to give me the bread and fish in my hands. What I love is always in God's hands is better than our hands. I want you to write this down. Number two, release it from our hand and place it in God's hand. Generosity is about releasing it from our hand and placing it in God's hand. Whatever your life is, whatever it may look like, whatever gift, talent, whatever amount of money you think you have, whatever small gift you, you think you have, if you release it from your hand and put it in his hands, watch what God will do with it. It's amazing what God will do with what we give him. God can do so much with our little bit. I mean, all the time, we think that in our hands is better. We think that in our hands, I mean, I got control. You know why? Because the hand and the heart are connected. The heart wants to control, so it closes the hand. Uh, I want control of this area of my life. I want control of my marriage, so I, I can't release my marriage to God. Oh, I want control of my son and my daughter, and I'm going to make sure I know every step that they take, so I, I'm going to hold it tight in my hand. Oh, I want control of all my money, so I'm going I'm to hold it in my hand. But I learned that when we trust God with our heart, we can begin to open up our hand and release it to him. Let's release it and let's hand it over to him and say, God, I'm going to trust you with what I have. You know what I've learned, church, that when we release it from our hand, it makes us better stewards. Well, I want to talk to you really quick about stewardship. Stewardship is a word that we don't like to hear. America does not like to hear about stewardship. Stewardship is actually being a good manager of what God has given you. Uh, I mean, America would tell you everything opposite of that. Uh, it would tell you, hey, buy, get as many credit cards as you can and get as much debt as you can. 
Being a good steward means living within your income. I'm going to be a good steward of what God's given me. Are we good managers with everything that God has given us? Am I a good manager with the, with the husband that he's given me? Am I, am I a good manager with the wife that he's given me? Am I a good manager with, with the family that he's given me? Am I a good manager with the blessings that he's given me? Am I a good manager with the gift that he's given me? Am I a good manager with the money that he's given me? We want to be good stewards. I believe God wants to raise up a church that is good managers and stewards of what God has given them. When we release it and we put it in his hands, it just does something where it makes us better managers of what God has given us. How? How can I become a better steward? I'll give you some simple steps that I think can help us become better stewards. Number one, I think we can begin to tithe. We can begin to tithe. I know there's not a lot of amens. I know we don't want to talk about that. Come back next week if you don't like it. But what we do is we're trusting God with the little bit that he's given us. What is a tithe? What is a tithe? I've never heard of that. What is it? What is it? What is a tithe? A tithe is all over the Bible. It's all over the Old Testament, and I believe it's in the New Testament. We see it in the book of Genesis. We see it in Abraham's life. We see it in the Mosaic law and the Levitical law. And really what it was, it was just honoring God with 10% of what he's given us. I heard a preacher say this, and I love the way he put it. He said, oh, the tithe is not giving God 10%. The tithe is receiving 90%. Changes the way we look at it. And what I've learned, me and Diana have learned, that when we, when we sit down together and we budget and we say, okay, we're giving this to God, it actually makes us better stewards of the 90% that's left. We sit down and we budget together and we say, okay, now that we've honored God with an amount, what can we do? In the Old Testament, it was the law, but how many know we're under grace? I'm not saying that you, you have to give. No, that was under the law. Under grace, we get to give. Under grace, right, it's just a privilege to give, and, and it's a general response. It's like, God, ah, you've been so good to me. God, you've been awesome in my life. This is, this is just a little bit. I don't believe that a tithe is the finish line. I believe that a tithe is a starting point. Uh, me, me and my wife, we're trying to see how we can get to 11%, 12%, 13% because God has just blessed us. I want to fund the kingdom of God. I want the kingdom of God to go forward. I want this city to be blessed. We're trying to do all we can to be better stewards of our money so that we can bless the kingdom of God. God, you've been, you've been generous to me. I'm just trying to be generous back, and it makes me a better manager. It makes me a better steward. About, maybe some of us in here, we say, Alex, I can't do that right now. I'm in debt. I'm not saying you got to speak in today. I'm saying this is just one step that you can begin to take in your life. Maybe you can't do it today. Maybe you can't do it next week. But little by little, become a better steward of what God has given you. How can I honor God a little bit better with what he's given me? Oh, Alex, I heard that, that if you tithe, that if you don't tithe, you're cursed. I heard that if, that if you don't give money, you're cursed. I want you to say that. I want, I want to tell you that's not true. Oh, no, but I heard somebody tell me that if I don't give God money, I'm cursed. That is absolutely not true. How can you be cursed if in Jesus you're blessed? Yeah, you know, we live under grace. We are blessed under him. So you are not cursed even if you don't give. I don't believe that, okay? Uh, people say, oh, give God 100 and he'll give you 100 blessings. Give God 68 and he'll give you 68 blessings. That's not what we're going to do here. We're never going to do that as a church. Okay, but what I do believe is this. We're blessed, but are our finances blessed? If we begin to tithe and honor God, God will bless our finances as well. When we begin to honor and begin to, what else can we do to be good stewards? Save some money. Not only, maybe you want to honor God with 10, 11, 12%, but also begin to save 10, 12, 11%. I mean, if you want your family to have vacations, you want your family to live well and comfortable. I'm not saying you start today. Some of us right now, we're in debt. I understand. But we're going to do everything we can so our church is never, never under, under stress, under anxiety. We've given financial classes before. It's coming again this year. Sign up for them. We want you to be, live a blessed life. But we've got to take principles into our life. We want to be generous people. You can't be generous if you don't save. It's impossible. There's times where me and Diana, in the past, we wanted to give. We wanted to be generous. And we couldn't. We were strapped. How many know it's the worst to live, I mean, under debt? 
It's the worst. But what steps can we take so that we can become a generous church? Oh, here we go, God. I'm going I'm to give it to you. In fact, the Bible says that some actually have the gift of giving. Romans chapter 12 talks about the gift of giving. Maybe a lot of you are like, that's not me. That's not me, okay? <laughs> It's a few. It's not for everybody. Some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of encouragement. Some have the gift of giving. What does that mean? It's just people who have been blessed to be a blessing to the church, to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Today, there is Kingdom Builders brochures on your seat. That's not for everybody. If you think it's for you, you can pray, commit, and you can plan to it. Kingdom Builders are just people to help us plan. Once a year, we have Heart for the House in October, and everybody comes with a special offering. And kingdom builders are just saying, hey, I'm here to finance the kingdom of God. I've been blessed enough. It's not about amounts, but you're saying, I've been blessed enough, and I believe my gift is giving. I want to bless the church with more that is required. That's cool. It's not for everybody. If that's you, you can fill it out. We have a kingdom box outside. You can drop it off. But if you want to, if you think, hey, that's my gift, I'm called to bless the church, cool. Few people have that gift. If that's your gift, awesome. What we want is people to begin to be good stewards of what God has given them. We want to be a generous church. Let's be good stewards of what he's given us first. Can't be generous if we haven't been good stewards. Here, the disciples, all they have is five bread, two fish. And Jesus says, give it to me. In my hands, is always better. But you know what's crazy? In our hands, it's always consumed. In his hands, it's always multiplied. It's crazy. What's in our hands is usually always consumed. In his hands, it's always multiplied. I mean, just so, all I have is this little bit of time. And usually I can waste my time really good. But if I put it in his hands, he has a way of multiplying my time. All I have is this small little gift, and if I put it in his hands, he has a way of multiplying the gift. All I have is this little bit about amount of money, but if I put it in his hands, he has a way of multiplying it. Something happens when we put it in God's hands. He's the maker of all things. He's, this is what he's trying to teach us, to be generous people. And Jesus grabs the bread, he breaks it, blesses it. While they're all sitting in groups of 50, he gives it to the disciples, and all of a sudden, everybody begins to get fed. This is why I love generosity. Because when we become generous people, we see the vision of God always advance. And that is that every single person will be blessed, every single person will be fed, every single person will be taken care of. Church, I don't know about you, but I think about Miami and I get passionate. I love my city. I'm, I'm crazy in love with the city of Miami. I love it. I think about it every day. I love driving by the highways and seeing the skyline, seeing the beaches, seeing where we live. I love our city, but it's our, it's our cities in need. We talk about this all the time. Last week we said people are the cause. People are dying. Come on. People, some of us know some people that went, went, tried to go out last night, didn't come back home. Wake up every day with news that it's horrible in our city. What is it going to take to take the gospel out there? It's going to take generosity. It's going to take people to say, you know what? I'm not limited by time. I'm not limited by money. I'm not limited by anything. I'm going to go over and above because God has been good to me. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to put it in his hands. And God has a way of taking what we have, multiplying, breaking it, and giving it right back and saying, now go feed, now go help, now go serve, now go spread the kingdom of God. Church, I'm going to do everything that I can to always put it in God's hands and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my little bit. All I have, me and Anna, we just want to trust you with it, God. And whatever we put in your hands, God, that you will bless it, that you will multiply so that you can give it right back. And we can go out and make sure every single person will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to do whatever we can. Time is not an option. Money is not a barrier. We'll do whatever we can so that Miami knows there's a Savior called Jesus. Often we just say, I can't. Too many times people are just saying, I can't. Moses said, I have a speech impediment. I can't. God said, if you just trust me with your speech impediment, I can do so much with it. I can't open the Red Sea, God. All I have is this little staff in my hand. If you trust me with that staff in your hand, I can use it to open up the Red Sea. What's the little bit in your hands that you can trust God with? That you say, God, I'm going to give you this little bit. 
I'm going to trust you with it. As a church, we're always going to be generous. We're always going to go over and above what is required. Maybe today you just need to begin with step one and saying, God, I haven't trusted you in this area of my life. I haven't trusted you in this area of my life. But I know one thing, I want to be part of the miracle of God. Generosity allows us to become distributors of God's miracle. God wants to bless his people. God wants to bless the city. God wants people to know him. He's looking for people to hand out bread and to hand out fish. Generosity will allow us to become a part of that. Number three, write that down. We receive and we distribute the miracle. Generosity is saying, God, when I give to you, you're so good that you give it right back and I can distribute it. I love the story because the story ends with the disciples after they feed everybody. It says that they had 12 baskets full of bread and fish. They had a whole lot of fish fillet. God has a way that when you bless and honor him, he's always going to turn around and bless and honor you. This is the God that we serve. Maybe you're saying, I can't trust God with this. I can't give God everything. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what is it going to take? Trust God that he's always going to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, we'll finish with this. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Love it. You know that word blessed there, what it, what it means is happiness. We live in a society, we live in a culture where we think that happiness gaining everything we can. I mean, let's become hoarders. All of my money, all of my time, all of my gifts, it is mine and I'm not going to give it away. But Jesus said, no, it is more blessed to give than to receive. All of us who've been part of City Care events, there's one coming up Saturday. I hope you show up Saturday morning. But all of us have gone out to feed the homeless before. All of us have gone out to do toy drives for kids. Every single time, we always come back and we say, man, I'm much more blessed. I thought I was going to go bless somebody, but every time I'm generous, I come back more blessed. And it's just a sense of fulfillment. And us as a church, this is what we want to do. Listen, you make a living by what you get, but we leave a legacy by what we give. Let's be a church that always leave a legacy. You say, God, I'm going to go over and above. I want to make it leave a legacy in this city. It's not what I get, but it's how much I give. Come on, can we give God a big, big hand today? Come on, he's faithful. He's a generous God. With every eye closed, with every head bowed for privacy and concentration, all across this auditorium, if you're here, maybe it's your first time, second time, you're saying, Alex, I don't know God. I know today's topic was a little bit more for the people that call Calvary home, but I just want to tell you that we're, we're generous and we love it. We're passionate because God was passionate and generous with us. All, a bunch of people across this auditorium and across our services all day throughout today were people that were lost, confused. We were in sin. We were hopeless. And all of a sudden, we met this God who was so generous. He loved us so much that he forgave us of all of our sins. When we were broken, he made us whole. When we were lost, he gave us direction. When we were in sin, he gave us grace. What can we do with such a generous God but respond with generosity? He loves us. And maybe this is your first or second time, or maybe you've been coming for a while, and you say, Alex, I really don't know this God. My life is a little bit messed up. I feel far from God. I'm even ashamed of some of the things I've done. I've done wrong. and Even some of the people next to me have no idea what I've done. I'm, I'm doing some wrong things right now. Can I tell you, God knows all the details of your life and he loves you still. This is how beautiful his love is. This is how generous God is. Alex, I don't know if I can get right with God. Maybe I need to go home and get right with God and I'll come back next week and start a relationship with God. No, the Bible says the day of salvation is today. 
God knows everything that's going on in your life, and he loves you still. He's a God of grace. He's a God of love. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. It doesn't allow us to have a relationship with God. But God loved us so much that he sent and he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Today, where sin came to destroy and separate, Jesus comes to heal and unite once again. The Bible says Jesus came down to this earth and he grabbed all of my sin, your sin, all of our shame, our guilt. He carried the sins of the world on his shoulders and went up on a cross and he died on that cross. He gave up his life on that cross. While every eye is closed, every head is bowed. I want you to know Jesus was generous with his life and he gave his life for you and for me. He died on that cross and then they laid him down in a grave for three days. And everybody thought he was dead, but after three days, sin could not hold him down and neither could death. Jesus resurrected. Jesus is alive today. He's the life giver. He forgives sins. He has grace for you. He loves you. And in a moment, I'm going to count to three and I believe hands are going to go up everywhere. And you're saying, I need a relationship with God. I want to start brand new today. I want to start this relationship with God. I want to trust Jesus. I know I got sin. I know I got issues in my life, but today I want to begin brand new. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus is alive. You're about to begin a brand new life with a relationship with the God who created you and who loves you. With every eye closed and every head bowed for privacy and concentration. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you out there. But if I call, if I, when I say number three, I want you just to raise your hand where you're at. I'm just going to acknowledge you, and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. All across this auditorium, you raise your hand where you're at. Amazing, amazing. Raise it up as high as you can. Stretch out that elbow. You're just saying, I need a relationship with God. God bless you. 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 And God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Anybody else? God bless you back there. I see you. Anybody else, you raise your hand, wherever you're at. You're saying, I need a relationship with God. God bless you. Awesome. Best move you can make, man. I see you. Two more hands. Awesome. Anybody else, you raise your hand. You're saying, today I'm beginning again. God bless you. Awesome. Best move you can make. Anybody else, you raise your hand. Amazing. God is so good. All of you who raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer. All we're doing through this prayer is putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. I'm making this first prayer easy, but you can talk to God any place, anywhere. He's waiting to hear from you. In fact, we're all going to repeat it with you together as a family. Say this out loud. I believe God is here, and I believe you're about to start a relationship with him. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I am forgiven, and I'm healed. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.